as we get ready to head into what figures to be an all-important, all-exciting, and all the drama is really about to pick up and rumors too type weekend on the NBA calendar, we get ready to bring to you the third and final installment of our Previewing the Pick series here on the podcast. Brian Seltzer welcoming you back. Thanks as always for listening. Earlier in this week, we heard from Tim Jankovich of SMU dishing on Shake Milton, then Chris Beard of Texas Tech talking about first-round pickup Zaire Smith. And on this episode of the podcast, it'll be Greg Marshall on the line. He is the head coach of Wichita State with the 76ers' second first-round pick, Landry Shamit, spent the last three years. That conversation coming up in a moment. We'll hear from Shamit as well. But first, a reminder that to subscribe to the podcast, you can go to a couple of places. You can go to iTunes. You can go to Google Play. You can go to Stitcher and or SoundCloud. Type in Sixers Podcast Network, and that will take you to where you need to be to subscribe to our feed if you haven't yet already. So why, you ask, is this weekend so important in the NBA universe? Well, you probably don't even have to ask that question. Sunday, of course, is July the 1st, the date on which free agency negotiations can get underway. The moratorium ends on July the 6th, but negotiations can begin just past the stroke of midnight on Sunday at 12.01 Eastern. And the 76ers, based upon their comments, you would have to think, uh, intend to be very aggressive players in the uh, free agency realm. So we will certainly be keeping our eyes on that in the days ahead. Plus, Summer League camp for the 76ers starting on Sunday as well. Um, so just a very exciting and busy, active time of year on the NBA calendar, even though this is the off season. But on this edition of the podcast, our focus is going to be Landry Shamit, a veteran guard out of Wichita State who wasn't a first-round projection on a lot of mock drafts, but based on the body of work he put together over the better part of two-plus seasons at Wichita State, you can certainly see why the 76ers were intrigued. Why don't we hear why the Sixers were intrigued? Here's Brett Brown talking about the former Wichita State Shocker the day he was introduced last week. When we studied him and he confirmed it when he came into his workout, there was a vast sort of variety of offensive skills that suggested he, he can just play basketball. I think he's a combo guard. He certainly can shoot. And when you started looking at the creative playmaking and his handle and his vision finding people, you know, you just felt like that can translate to a modern-day player. We keep hearing that type of verbiage and phraseology from Brown and the 76ers that they're looking for modern-day type players, and they believe that Landry Shamit fits the bill. Shamit only played three games his first year at Wichita State. He got hurt, and he bounced back in a big way as a sophomore, averaging around 11.5 points per game. And then as a junior, he scored just under 15 points per game, his three-point shooting Excellent over the course of his career, 156 three-pointers between his sophomore and junior seasons. And for his career, he shot just under 44% from outside the arc. As for Shamit, his thoughts on not being viewed as a possible first-rounder, this was his reaction. At the end of the day, people making those mock drafts aren't the ones making decisions. So I never really paid much attention there. But, you know, me and my agents, and, you know, we talked and had kind of an idea where, you know, we thought I'd go. And obviously when you're getting closer to that area, you know, it's kind of sitting there with your family. And, like, you know, I could tell they were trying to, you know, keep me calm and keep me cool, uh, telling me jokes and stuff here and there. But 
I mean, you're finding out what the start of your future is going to be, you know, so I think it's nerve-wracking. You know, I was super excited. My heart was about to fall out of my chest. But, yeah, it was just, you know, it was exciting, nervous. I just wanted to know what was next for me. But, yeah, I'm happy it's here in Philly. Very sound, mature perspective from 21-year-old Landry Shamit. And now we'll get some perspective from Shamit's former college coach. Greg Marshall has done excellent work at Wichita State and especially in recent years sending players from the Shockers program to the NBA. Talking about guys like Clay Anthony Early, Ron Baker, and of course from the Toronto Raptors Fred Van Vliet. But we're going to be talking about Landry Shamit on this episode of the podcast. The first Shocker Greg Marshall to be selected in the first round since 1985. A pretty amazing accomplishment. And I got to think you feel like the 76ers are getting a pretty special player. Yeah, he's a good player, but he's a better person. Um, You'll like his personality. He's um, very easy to get along with, uh, engaging young person. Um, He's going to work. He's going to get in there every day and and give you an honest day's effort. And um, I think his best basketball is certainly ahead of him. He's a guy that coming out after his third year in college where he had to redshirt one of those seasons and with a bad foot, but um, then checked out physically and and now it's just time for him to uh take his game to the next level and 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 play with a very very promising organization which you guys have assembled there did you have any sense of where he was going to go last thursday night as far as the slot you know um obviously it's very difficult to to get players into that first round and i mean landry's a guy that was borderline top 100 coming out of high school so he's he's had to play himself and develop himself into a first round draft pick uh i was probably interviewed about landry as much uh, as any other players that we've gotten the nba like ron baker and fred van vliet and clee anthony early who was the 31st pick a couple of years ago you could combine how many calls I took on those three guys and it wouldn't equal how many calls I got on Landry. So I knew the interest was high, but honestly, um, we thought Indiana possibly at 16, I think was their pick. And when that didn't happen, I think they took a holiday. Um, we also thought 23 was a possibility, but when your guys actually came in here and did their due diligence and interviewed everyone, everyone in our organization, from the academic people to the uh, strength coach, the trainers, the assistant coaches. And then when I got my opportunity to speak to your scout, I mean, he was very thorough and we, we didn't leave anything on un, any stone unturned. But in the end, I asked him, I said, well, what, what do you think? What are, what are your, what are your feelings as an organization? I mean, what this is, not something we do every day here at Wichita State. He goes, well, we think he's a very talented young man and great player, and he he tested well in his workout with us, uh, and we think he could, you know, easily be a first round draft pick. We have the 26 pick. If we remain in 26, I mean, it's a very good possibility that could it could happen. So, uh, I was glad to see him go to to the Sixers. Um, I, you, you guys have a great program, and and it's just getting better. And, you know, I know J.J. Reddick and I went to the same high school, even though I went about 20 years before him. Um, so I'm familiar with J.J. And, and obviously Ben Simmons and Embiid played here in Kansas. 
Uh, and I saw, you know, a lot of your games in the playoffs this year, and I think Landry has a chance to go in and play right away and, and contribute to a program that's really coming on. Uh, Landry's body of work in the two full seasons he spent under you guys speaks for itself. Uh, what specifically do you think spiked the interest so much, as you were saying, about the volume of phone calls you received on him and just how much interest there was in him? Well, it's, it's, he checks all the boxes. He's a good person and a hard worker. He's six five. Uh, he's athletic. He can. He's got long. He's got good length. He can really run and jump. Uh, he's a cerebral player. He can shoot it. He can run an offense. Um, he, he attempts to play good defense. Um, and, and he's from a winning program. So there's not much left uh, that you you would say. Well, well, here's a red flag. He doesn't have any red flags. He checks all the boxes. Uh, sufficiently, and, and um, I just think you know now his body's going to mature, and he's going to continue to work and, and get coached at a very high level, and uh, I think the, the future is very bright. With you and him, were there conversations over the course of the year when he started to gain more and more traction about what the future might hold? Not Not even necessarily as far as what the end game decision was going to be but just how as a player and a student athlete in his position the factors you'd weigh in going about making such an important decision whether to stay in college or proceed on to the pros no we actually had that conversation after his uh, second year which was his red shirt freshman year he played very well against Dayton we won in the tournament and then we lost in a close game to Kentucky but he really played well against De'Aaron Fox and uh, we had a shot to win the game in part because he played very well. and But he elected not to go through the process last year. And this year, um, you know, we thought it was certainly more of a, a chance. And there was a time during the season uh, he was shooting it very, very well, almost 50% from three. But he struggled for two or three games in a row. And I, I just saw him pressing and, and, and very um, – uh, upset with himself at not being able to knock down the shots that he was making previously. And we talked about it. I just said, listen, calm down, relax, okay? I see you pressing now. And this is the first time I've seen you pressing and 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 really wanting to do well so badly that it's negatively affecting your performance. If this, is, this, is, this will go away. Just keep shooting the ball and stop trying to guide it in the basket and uh after that he was he was really good and he got on a a a heater again and started making shots and so that was the only time we really talked about it this year was during that little stretch where he was just putting too much pressure on himself and as you said even with the talent that's come out of your program in recent years it can't be the most normal set of circumstances for a kid to be dealing with that type of scrutiny while also maintaining his own level of play at a high level and then also trying to help guide along the team's success as well i think right 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 he um yeah he had, he had the ball in his hands and and he was the point guard so you know that's how you gauge point guards on, on this level is is wins and losses like a starting pitcher or a goalie in in hockey i mean that's what you've got you've got the guy that is responsible for wins and losses and he he took that uh torch and, and ran with it for two years after Fred Van Vliet graduated and i mean our program stayed at a very high level so uh, i'm proud of him uh he came in as a two guard he developed into a point guard so now he can play both and 
which also I think is an added benefit to any team that gets him. How did you guys handle helping him make that transition from two to one? Did you see right away when you were looking at him, targeting him, that that was a skill that he had in his arsenal to take on the one spot? Right. It's his ball handling uh, was was definitely good enough. Uh, it, we had to work on the decision making a little bit the first year. Uh, he would have that one uh, mishap in, in the game where he would just throw one into the stands, but then that that actually went away. And his assist to turnover ratio was his. Really, really good. He led our conference in assists this past year. So I, I like point guards that can score the ball because if they're, you know, if you're big enough as a point guard to guard a two, uh, it gives you a lot of flexibility. And he's 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 that. And we we would have loved to have keep him off the ball, uh, but you know the point guards that we had in the program after Fred Van Vliet went to the NBA, um, he was the best um, option we had. You can certainly correct me if I'm wrong on this, but he had broken into the starting lineup right before his injury, the stress fracture, his freshman, his true freshman season, right? He did because Fred Van Vliet was hurt. So Ron Baker was uh, at the guard, and, and uh, when Fred was had the hamstring pull, uh, we put this young true freshman into the into the game, and he started against Tulsa, played poorly, and broke his foot in all in one swoop. So. At that point, uh, it just became a moot point. And sometimes I guess you could learn as much about someone in a situation like that as you could whether they're on the court. Did you feel like you learned a little bit more about the type of person you had in Landry after he dealt with the adversity of that first true season? Yeah, I just saw him working hard to to rehab. I mean, guys want to get back out there, and he obviously knew he had a bright future, and and no one could have worked any harder. And he he had to do it twice, but – I just think that the surgeons, everybody checked him out, and everyone said, you know, he's he's better than he was when he got hurt. It was a it was a kind of a birth defect that now is fixed with the screws in his feet, and he's better than he was before he got hurt. Where were the specific areas of focus that you guys had from going on into this past season? Was there a specific to do list that he had going into this past season? No, just no, we don't really do that. I I just I just want players to be as efficient as possible on the offensive end and and he certainly is that I mean his shooting percentages are off the charts from all three inside the arc outside the arc and then at the, the, the free throw line and and then you know give us give us great effort on the defensive end and, and run our team I mean, he could he could literally play all five spots um, you know, he knows our, our he knows our system that well and um, Thank goodness we didn't have to play him anything other than the the one or the two, but he he certainly knew where everybody was supposed to be at any given time. Just under 44% three-point shooter for his career, almost 163-pointers. What makes him such a good shooter? Well, he's got great form, and he works at it. Uh, He's been been coached, and he's a worker. It's a beautiful stroke. And as he gets even stronger, which he will as his body matures, I mean, I, I could see him being a big-time three-point shooter at that next level. When you have a player who comes in that has that type of ability, how do you coach that and how do you massage it and develop it? Well, we don't coach him any differently. I mean, we expect all of our players to come in and have success and, and work and, and try to get better and, and, and treat practice as a game and 
Uh, he wanted to be part of that culture. He saw that you know we were developing guys that weren't heralded recruits into NBA players, and he was as talented or more talented coming in the doors as, as Baker or Van Vliet, and he just wanted to be part of that culture, and it's now it's paying off for him. Do you remember when it was when he first jumped on your radar on the recruiting trail? No, I just I just know we started recruiting him as a sophomore in high school, and he came to maybe a, a game that year driving down from Kansas City, and then he may have come to a couple of games in in uh, his junior year, which which is a big advantage for us because it doesn't matter who we're playing or when. If it's basketball season and the ball's tossed up, there's 10,500 people in Coke Arena, and, and it's, it's a very rabid environment. And he saw that firsthand by making those unofficial visits. Is there any anecdote you have uh, that sums up something that he was a part of that to you represents what he's all about as a player, as a person, teammate, a citizen of a program, that sort of thing? Uh, he just represents you well on and off the court. I know he's he's gone and spent some time with folks that are down on their luck or in the hospital for for whatever reason. Uh, he's he's very uh, he's got some compassion about him. He's got some humility about him and. The folks in Philadelphia will just absolutely love the type of person that they have, and, and hopefully he can be as good a player as he is a person. Before we wrap this up, I think I should probably also ask you, while well, we got you on the phone, someone who might have insight on another player the 76ers acquired in the draft last Thursday, Shake Milton, a part of the same conference in the American as Wichita State. What did you observe about his game? Well, we played him once, and he, he beat us basically single-handedly. I think, I, I think he... Made about, I don't know, maybe 10 field goals in the game, and several of them were 30, 35 footers at the end of the shot clock, rainbow threes. And he just, he's an incredible shooter and uh, really can put the ball in the basket and it also seems to be a wonderful person. Uh, we recruited him to a degree out of high school and uh, committed to SMU before we got any traction on that. But I, I just, from everything I've seen and heard, I think Shake Milton is a, is, is a winner as well. And lastly, how proud are you as the head coach right now, and how good do you feel about the type of tradition that you guys are building up? As we've referenced, this isn't necessarily just about Landry Shamit, but some of the other names that have recently passed the program and have gone on to carve out nice careers for themselves in the NBA. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I just spent some time this morning shooting a commercial with some shocker legends and Cheese Johnson and Xavier X-Man McDaniel, and he was the last guy picked in the first round in 1985. So it's been a while, but we have put six guys in the NBA for multiple years in the last six years, including we'll have three active players in the NBA next year, minimum, uh, with Baker Van Vliet and Landry Shamit. So uh, hopefully uh, there's one or two more in our program uh, in the pipeline as we speak. And it just gives uh, those guys, um, uh, they can see the, the prize at the end of the, all their work and effort. And, and uh, So it's, it's fun to be in the gym with them. I'm looking forward to spending an hour in the gym with them today. Landry Shamit, the first first-round prospect in the great career of Greg Marshall at Wichita State. Thanks so much, Coach. Yeah, you're welcome. Man who, very understandably, has always got his mind around being in a gym. Greg Marshall, head coach of 
Wichita State has done a fantastic job with the program there, and he produced the Shockers' first first-round pick since 1985 in Landry Shamit, also the first time since 1985 this year that Wichita State sent a guard into the NBA draft who was drafted. So Landry Shamit ending all sorts of drafts. Coming up next week on the podcast, Free Agency, Summer League, those will be the full focus. We hope you join us at that point in time. Big thanks to Greg Marshall for taking the time to talk. Thank you, as always, for listening, and we'll speak to you next week right here on The Broadcast. See you.